I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. This is John Trooper. This is Kate Prusa. This is Julio Rodriguez. Produced by Evan James Audio. This is Lookout Landing Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Lookout Landing Podcast. My name is John Troopin, and I am joined today by my two co-hosts. We have Kate Prusser, managing editor of LookoutLanding.com. Kate, how would you say if you were to grade yourself on uh, the scale of Mariners minor league free agent signings, uh, where where is where are you at this evening? Are you are you? Well, I feel bad immediately with this pick because it the implication is one of these is the worst, and there are no bad minor league signings. I don't understand uh, what you are saying. Well, I, I was thinking on a one to ten, but. You know, instead, I, I wanted to to quickly hint at uh, something that you been put you put together uh, oh. for us, which is yes, I'm a I'm a Jacob Nottingham. I'm just plugging along. Fair enough, uh, Kate. You, not you doing put... the best. Not doing the best. <laughs> it must be said, it's not the best. That's fair. It's fair. Uh, I am sorry to hear that. Hopefully, this can be a, a brief reprieve. From reality's haunting uh, mm. specter. Um, Sometimes it's okay <laughs> to just say the mental health is trash and yeah. just uh, just own it. You know, yeah. just that's where. It, so anyway, sorry, Jacob Nottingham, who's probably <laughs> re- perfectly fine somewhere, but it's it's not his fault. We feel like this. <laughs> yeah. General spirits, everything, uh, a whole thing that it's. Yeah, we're the doldrums of January. Things are things are things are just thinging along. This this so. is not the esprit de corps that you're looking for when you when you try to esprit your core. No, uh, no, I feel like I got esprit up the core. To be honest. <laughs> well, here to hopefully uh, sort of. Spritz up our spree, uh, Evan James. Uh, 
our audio engineer. This is how you start podcast, podcast, which... right? You start by talking about how your mental health is trash. Yeah, right? yeah, that's, yeah. That's okay, yeah. That's how you bring the listeners in. Right, Listen. Evan? We're really off to a blazing start, I would say. There's no question about that. <laughs> and you're going to really uh, lift lift the mood, I think. Yeah, yeah. Mistaken. Oh, totally, totally. Well, I wanted to start off with uh, a little bit of news today because I feel like it's it's pertinent to all of our listeners. Um, I don't know if people have heard, but there have been a lot of tech layoffs recently and Vox laid off. I don't want to give a number, but I think it was like 10% of the total 7%. staff. But it was 7%, 7% of the total staff. But of the workforce. They have cut podcast podcasts entirely with SB Nation. So there will no there will no longer be any sponsored podcasts of Vox Media SB Nation. Um, that association is going away on February 28th. So next month will be the last month of this particular version of the Lookout Landing podcast. It's unclear at this time exactly what that entails. My suspicion is that, um, as Kate pointed out, this RSS feed in this podcast has predated some of this relationship, is my understanding. So it's possible that we continue on this link and wherever it is you're finding this podcast, it continues to be there, even if it's under a different name. Um, but it will probably, it will definitely be under a different name. I would say it will not be the Lookout Landing podcast. It will be uh, something else, uh, potentially, mm, probably. Mm, to be to to be confirmed. To be confirmed. All of the details of this are to yeah. be confirmed. I want to make um, it clear how fluid this situation is. All we know is that yes. we are not being paid by Vox anymore to do this podcast. After this, that does not mean yes. the podcast will go away. We will continue to do it, but. Obviously, it's tougher to. We have trouble scheduling it as it is, uh, and it's tougher to do <laughs> to that clear, when there's like, not as though we are highly paid to do this. Podcast. Yeah, no, we mainly but, do it for fun. But, but you you take away the the monetary aspect, and and it's entirely possible that we could find a different way to incentivize it. Um, I think that a lot of that will depend on how much. I'm not sure how much Vox is able to control because the podcast is something that we were doing beforehand so anyway everything's very up in the air uh basically i feel like it's kind of a benevolent neglect kind of thing where they're like well we just don't want to pay you for it anymore we would probably look into finding some revenue streams like maybe a patreon or something like that um podcast will not go away we understand that there are a lot of you who interact solely with the podcast um and don't always read the site and we want to continue to serve those fans as well. So even if we're not paid for it, we'll continue to do it. It's just obviously nicer to be paid for things. Paid for your labor. What an idea. Yeah. To be and to be clear, yes, it's uh, you know, the Patreon-based aspect, certainly something we will look into. I think I can speak reasonably confidently when we say for five dollars a month, John will ASMR you to sleep. <laughs> Personalized. I will I will read you the poem that I wrote this past weekend for a party um, about uh, winter in the Northwest. Oh, uh, look who gets to go to parties! Da. Uh, no, I just want to say Flex and his popular person privilege over here. <laughs> Disgusting, dishonorable, disgraceful. In the community, pop privilege is the new pretty privilege. Yeah, I I can understand that. I will say, I just want to make it clear: we are going to. You you both said this, but we are going to continue. This podcast is going to continue to exist, and it is going to continue to be available. 
So what the future looks like, we will continue to let you know. Yeah, something is going to change somewhere. We don't know what it is or what it looks like, but the where you're finding this or what it's called is likely to change in the near future, but it will still be the same show. Um, I What's likely, I think, is that there will be more divorce from it from the blog, so to speak, that it will be more of its own entity than, it, than an addition of Lookout Landing. Um, and that can be fine in and of itself, because like you said, that opens up avenues for us to maybe do a Patreon um, instead of doing ads on the show, which I think, honestly, a lot of people might prefer. Um, and if we're doing, you know, four episodes a month, like a $5 tier makes a lot of sense to me. So that's something we might look into. Don't don't hold us to anything yet. Again, there's another four weeks. And what happened was they fired everybody last Friday. We're just getting around to this now with whoever's left. I imagine decisions will be made about what's actually going to happen over the next month. So like Kate said, it's all in flux. We'll keep you posted. As long um, as you are reading the website, like we'll have posts there about it. If you follow Twitter, Facebook, we'll put stuff on our socials too about how to find it. You'll be able to find us. Don't worry about it. It and just we're doing might not automatically before then. So right. we'll it, tell you here too. This is, this is not a goodbye episode. I will also say to be clear, we're getting around to it is they emailed us this afternoon. Yeah, exactly. Is this is so, not, uh, we're which, letting you know. Which was everyone know. else got theirs on Friday. And I was like, oh, maybe we survived the cup. But no, we just weren't on the email list, which is somehow worse. I feel like it's worse it, to have sustained that hope over the weekend that like maybe we were going to survive. Anyway, uh, it stinks. It stinks worse for our pals over at uh, Sounder at Heart and Davy Jones Locker Room. So uh, please, especially with DJLR, go over and give him some clicks and because it's entirely built, it's entirely based around clicks. Actually, this podcast, like the more clicks, the more engagements, the more they will give us resources to do what we want to do. You don't always have to listen to the whole thing. Just engaging with the thing is helpful. Clicking on the thing is helpful. Uh, I hate to chill for that and it's something that we've always been afforded a lot of freedom with at vox is to uh do things kind of in a way that makes sense for us editorial as opposed to some other sites that i feel like are under pressure to put out an article a day or put out three articles a day even in the off season even when there's nothing to talk about uh, which is how you get some fairly ridiculous trade rumor articles and you know clickbait and stuff and we don't we've never had that and same thing with like podcasting or youtubing which we might have to learn how to do which means i would have to put on makeup which sucks uh brush my hair oh yeah hey, you can be the you can be the phantom of the podcast oh maybe i could wear like a different rubber mask every week that I, would be like maggie thatcher one week birds the next <laughs> I mean, unfortunately, anything that we made would have to go into my mask budget, but this is also... Anyway, and also, if you have uh, feedback for this or you have any knowledge for it, we are not... Evan is the most professional of us as far as engineering things go, and uh, if you have any feedback for us, any tips, you know somebody who who would be willing to, like, give some of their time to talk to us about what the best way is moving forward we would we would really love to hear from that from you and um yeah because we're gonna sounds like we're kind of be gonna be navigating our own way forward for for this for the time being so that's that 
that is that. We are now, thank you, uh, thank you everyone who has sort of stuck with that. Um, yes, sorry. No, but um, we're, we're going to get into the, the Seattle Mariners, the baseball team. Uh, we've got a couple things we're going to talk about today, um, and then we're going to swing through uh, an array of listener questions. Um, we've got, I sort of alluded to this earlier, but Kate put together um, a great compilation of minor league signings that the Mariners have made thus far. There probably will be at least a few more that we'll get um, before spring training sort of kicks off, but um, we've got at least a few interesting new names here. I don't know if you have um, someone in particular you'd like to highlight, Kate. Actually, that's a lie. I do know that you do. Um, and if you just want to real quick talk about, you know, anyone to check out there. This will be pinned on the Lookout Landing homepage. Um, and, uh, you know, then we're going to talk about Tommy LaStella, his sort of fit, the club. Uh, we're going to talk about our favorite off-seasons and our least favorite off-seasons, because there's been a lot of discussion about this off-season, you know, coming off of, obviously, a very exciting regular season and postseason, coming off a postseason period. Uh, and then, uh, you know, how that compares, maybe, you know, I know there's a lot of frustration. Certainly, we've obviously been frustrated, uh, but trying to look at, well, how does how does this compare to some of our, you know, top off seasons and some of our least <laughs> least favorite off seasons? Um, so, Kate, real quick, do you have a person you'd like to highlight from the uh, minor league signing minor signing tracker. Um, okay. So the minor signing tracker is for everybody who got signed to a minor league deal. This doesn't necessarily mean people who are non-roster invites or NRIs. NRIs are typically, uh, more experienced MLB vets or at least upper minors players who the team will bring to spring training and give a tryout to, um, Maybe another team picks them up at the time. It's it's sort of an open audition, which is what spring training is for for players who aren't with teams um, and who don't get signed in free agency over the winter. So um, that'll be a separate list. This covers everybody whom the Mariners have signed so far. So it's, you know, from the guys like Colin Moran and Mike Ford, old friend Mike Ford has had quite a journey since the Mariners took him in the Rule 5 in 2017. Um, so it's everybody from them to like, I think some, one of the guys I wrote up was this kid who has no, like zero, zero professional resume yet. He is not pitched yet. Um, Joseph Yabor, who's a 19 year old that the twins signed out of Venezuela in 2019, but he never pitched a professional inning before he was released by them, which is weird. He must've had some injury issues or something. Um, so yeah, it lists everybody from a guy who's going to be starting out with the ACL Mariners up to Casey Sadler, who, you know, if he's healthy, has a real shot at being in the Mariners bullpen. Uh, my favorite signing, I mean, there's, I have a favorite favorite as far as like, I think this player might be actually good, but, uh, one of my other favorites was Eric Stock, who's the lone outfielder they've signed so far. He's from UConn. And he signed in December as an undrafted free agent. So like well after the draft period and obviously a guy who thought 
probably his baseball career was going to be over and um, just wrote this like really beautiful, heartfelt Instagram post about how grateful he was to be getting a chance to play, to continue his pro career. Um, and it was very sweet. And I encourage you to, the, it's linked in the piece. Go, go take a look at it. It's always nice for me when I have like a reminder about baseball as far as like players' dreams coming true or people's lifelong dreams coming true. And, you know, this guy will always be able to say that he was signed to play professional baseball no matter what happens going forward. He could be cut tomorrow and he'll still get to say that he signed a professional contract. So that's exciting. Don, I'm all out of talks. Do you want to talk about my boy? Did you, did you look at any of his stuff? I spent I all day. I spent all day. I've been all day pestering the lookout landing slack about uh, my new favorite player. Um, so I, what I was looking up was whether, um, whether the, the Mariners knew uh, Eric stock that, that you discussed um, had any relation to uh, Robert stock, who is a uh, local kid uh, or he's born local uh, kid um, who just was recently signed, I believe, by the Brewers and has pitched uh, a few times in the majors as well as in Korea. In any case, I don't believe they're related. However, uh, I also say there's there's an equal chance he's related to the other Robert Stock who hosted television's Unsolved Mysteries for years. <laughs> if we're throwing around Robert Stocks. <laughs> well, I, I think we got to throw them around every sure. once in a while, just I to mean, check nobody, if they're still working on that. Nobody has as rough a time as a, a pitcher the Mariners signed named Michael Flynn, which is not a great yeah, name to be yeah, toting around. Just um, deeply unfortunate. <laughs> but also, it's um, not even unique in baseball because very famously, Mike Flynn was that uh, player in the 1890s who played exactly one game. Like his major league career is one game. You've heard of that guy, right? Mike Mike Flynn is a very John Smithian creative player name, right? Like, yeah, yeah. NPC it, white people. Um, yeah, I, I, I know we were talking about Ryder Ryan, who is also Ryder Ryan. Yeah. yeah. Um, in any case, I, I do want to, uh, talk about Robbie Tenerovich, which is my assumed pronunciation. Um, very entertaining, uh, whenever, especially whenever fringy players are, um, quite active on on their social media about baseball obviously it's it's very helpful for us uh to sort of get a sense of you know what's what's this person's deal it's also really cool um, just to learn like to learn from yeah, a professional absolutely. and see like these are the things that they do these are the drills that they do you get to just a real deeper understanding of the sport yeah um and uh, you know i i have watched some videos tenerovich essentially sort of a uh the like Travis Shaw really is just the example in my mind, but he's sort of that like corner infielder, like second baseman, quote unquote, but probably not now that the except that each one of his forearms is like the size of a Travis Shaw, like he's falling around two Travis Shaw's attached to his shoulders. It, there, it's but it's, <laughs> it's more, more, I'm more a man is yoked. He is, he is yoked, and I think that'll probably serve him well at third base and at first base. But, you know, we're going to see, I think, fewer of those 
um, really defense, you know, fewer, you know, there's not really the, the room for Mike Moustakis to play second base anymore um, without the shift uh, as in full as it, as it um, has been for years, you know, going forward, I think that's going to push. I mean, this was intentional, but it's going to demand more athleticism from, uh, from second baseman again, uh, which is, I would say definitely a point in favor of Dylan Moore and Colton Wong, who, who both uh, historically at least have been quite rangy in any case for Robbie, uh, our, our friend, Robbie, uh, Tenerovich um, spent most of his career with the Reds, which is always a good place to go if you are looking for someone who uh, may either have not been getting the most. Actually, sorry, not yeah. most of his career. He's been about half his career, but he because he, he was with Tampa initially. Um, but recently Cincinnati, with the Reds and wrote an extremely uh, cutting <laughs> breakup tweet about them where he's just like <laughs> we've gone our separate ways this is for the best all thanks to the organization but it was very much like you're not breaking up with me i'm breaking up with you <laughs> yeah um his his numbers in double a uh in 2022 were um very solid, just sort of part of a year. Um, and then he, you know, struggled a bit in the last little bit of the year with uh, AAA in Cincinnati. Um, but listen, we're, we're all going off the, 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 the posts that players will share this winter, but there's a lot, uh, there's a lot to think about in terms of what gains you can get in the gym. Um, he's, he's a big driveline guy, gotten a lot of, um, support from Kyle body. Um, and, uh, I'm quite curious to see essentially, uh, you know, I think he'll be in Tacoma and Seattle has a few veterans sort of in the corner outfield or not corner infield or corner infield, not corner outfield group, uh, there. So Tenerovich could at the very least be a very popular player, um, if you're going to Tacoma Rainier's games, so keep an eye out there. Um, another player who uh, is sort of on the fringes of the roster, but has the leg up as a surefire major league uh, contract. And oh, be careful and- with that leg, though. Be careful with that leg. <laughs> that's that's a good surgically point. repaired leg uh, twice yes, over fair fair enough um uh tommy la stella is uh is a seattle marinero um signed to a league minimum contract because right, I think seattle marinera uh, that's fair. That's She's true. part of you, our Italian contingent. You've got a pizza that your pasta. You've got a folks. pizza. Uh, I can't emphasize how important it is. Um, so, La Stella probably is a player that Mariners fans have at least a decent amount of uh, recollection of and some familiarity with. He um, he's been with. Five big league organizations, I believe, at this point. But uh, and the Mariners will be his sixth uh, in the bigs if he if he plays for them. But um, he sort of had his breakout, I think, in in as much as such a thing occurred with the Angels um, in 2019, 
Uh, he hit 295, uh, sort of a very solid collective, um, you know, numbers set, especially as a second baseman, um, you know, really helped boost an offense that was very lacking. He's sort of, I feel like every year Anaheim has one like breakout player and that like, it's like, Oh, well, when, when, when everyone else is healthy and they've now got this guy, right. They had Jared Walsh be that for a bit. And then it was uh what's his face. The outfielder last year. Um, who, who's the other outfielder in Anaheim that my They're name Ward, that, Tyler thank Ward. you yes it's it, a Taylor and a Tyler and a Jared and I get them yes. all confused it is Taylor Ward Tyler Wade that's it and Jared Walsh but I mean, Tyler Wade is somewhere a, I'm else. sorry that should just be illegal it's 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 the only thing Anaheim has done wrong though so we let them have a pass right, exactly. <laughs> a rare a rare L for the Angels a rare misstep from the Angels organization <laughs> uh exactly exactly so uh Listella had had a couple good years in Anaheim and then got traded to the A's uh and signed a two-year deal with a team option I think it was um, essentially with the Giants. Um, I guess actually it was a three-year deal. Oh, it was a three-year uh, the deal. Giants. They just cut him, cut him, cut him loose. Yeah, full, full cut mate. Um, which, again, should kind of tell you what the expectation is. Now, part of this was, uh, much of this really, was Listella is older and he has been pretty significantly injured. Um, he had a torn Achilles, I believe yeah, it was. Two torn Achilles. I would like to yeah. go ahead and claim this yes. knowledge panel because Please I had had the Giants for the baseball prospectus annuals comments this year. So, by the way, please go ahead and buy that. Uh, I promise I made a lot of really funny jokes and slipped in my customary showgirls re- reference. So. Uh, pretty proud of the work I did there. I also and had I to write a few Diamondbacks for some reason. So I mean, <laughs> you are, I feel like, sort of our, our Diamondbacks expert on the site. It's just I'm that they have, such good pro- they have such good prospects. They're fun. The Giants Someone needs to keep an eye on them. Giants less fun. Um, but I also got handed some of the Astros, which was really fun. I was writing some of those comments through tears, but uh, that's a different story. Anyway, uh, I had. So I had I've spent more time thinking about Jason Vossler, who the Mariners signed as part of their uh, minor league signings, um, and who I made a very mean comment about in the annual. Sorry, Jason Vossler, uh, and Tommy Listella. So spend some time uh, trying to figure out if Tommy Listella has anything left in the tank because it was, it was a pretty di- disastrous signing after he was. All-star Jason before breaking his leg. Actually an all-star in Anaheim in 2019. Very solid 2020 that saw him get traded to Oakland. People forget that Oakland was like good in 2020. Good enough to be acquiring players. And the Giants, that was the biggest free agent deal that Farhan Zaidi, is that his name? That's correct, right? the biggest deal that Zaidi had given out yet um and it was just a stinker real little stinker stinker poo poo turd of a deal because not because Lestelle is a bad player but because he was hurt 
He played all through 2021 on a bum left hamstring, I think it was. And then he missed even more time in 2022 with what was reported to be one Achilles injury. And then it, it came out in the offseason that he'd actually had surgery on both of them. So to me, it's possible that the Achilles weakening was result of like a chain reaction where like the hamstring was weak and so it caused extra stress on the Achilles and then because the one leg was all weak that caused extra strain on the other one I don't know but he's had a whole off season he'll have a whole off season to heal up problem is like even a healed and whole Tommy Lastella is without any kind of defense which I feel like you just can't depend on him for defense anymore I know that our last memory of him was seeing him as a second baseman for the Angels but I think he's pretty limited defensively now especially post-injury to first base DH and you have to hit a lot for that and he's just kind of never he's always been a great control the strike zone guy which is why DePoto loves him but power kind of hasn't been there not to the uh, commensurate with like what a first base DH should be producing. That's my take on Tommy Mostella. Don't get your hopes up. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Because he never strikes out, and they have such a thing for that. I mean, maybe they think that. Maybe they think there's still something left in the tank. I mean, it's a low risk, lower. It's a low risk, potentially high reward signing, right? Like, if he is what he was in 2019, if the injuries were what dampened him both in 21 and 22. I mean, he was still good in 2020, even so. Okay, good in 2020. Good as recently as 2020. Take away that chain of injuries that wrecked the lower half of him for the past two years and you know there's still a useful productive player in there yeah it, it doesn't uh, like i've sort he's of also 33 is that right he's gonna be 30 he's gonna be 34 he's 33 presently yeah in, that's in, the in. that's that's not just the wrong side of the aging curve. That's like the aging curve is for a baseball player is like well in the rear view. Yeah. I, I You're think getting up to the, Nelson Cruz age there. Uh, yeah. We, I mean, let's, let's, let's slow the roll a little bit, but especially if you're not, if you are theoretically asking a player to play infield as opposed to, just DH, um, and I think that is the realm at which Lestella's bat need. You know, that's where Lestella needs to be able to play for his bat to live. It's a tough ask. So you know, I do like that he. I mean, obviously, I like what you said about him as a spray. You know, doesn't strike out much hitter, similar to JP, similar to Wong. But I mean, uh, look, if they brought him in to like connect his brain via electrode to Jared Kelnick and like 
transplant some of that strike down yeah. discipline in there, I'm all for it. Yeah. Finding pays for itself. Don't care. But I, to me, it has a really, it has a real feeling of let's do something for insurance. It's a moderate that we can eat the cost of if this looks terrible in the spring and, you know, we get credit for doing something right? and he doesn't and, make it out of camp, which I feel like and, is kind of likely. Anyway. And to be clear, right? Yeah. Like most major league signings, that's pretty rare, but this is a circumstance where it is literally league minimum. Now the Mariners would be on the hook for all of it, but at the at this point, right? Seven fifty, right? Something it, like that, right? I mean, and and it, it, that's because you know the Giants are paying the rest, and so right. The, so they also like wouldn't be screwing him over by cutting him. Like he gets it, it he gets the well, money the Giants yeah. owed him, basically. So. Yes, yes, he's getting paid eleven million for this year either way. So this is a you know chance for him to play for essentially getting another contract ever again. And also, you know, another team would theoretically, might theoretically claim him because they would only have to pay league minimum money uh, for him. So uh, that's the that's the gist on on Tommy Tommy Lastella, uh, who it is sort of hard for me to see having a, a clear role here, but um, you know, you, you don't really have. None of the neither, none of the three other people who I think are the Mariners' primary second base options uh, in Wong, Moore, and Sam Haggerty have ever played a full like have ever been like a full time big leaguer. Um, you know, Wong has always been the 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 heavier side of a platoon, uh, and Moore has been sort of the utility guy. So. Uh, Lestella certainly hasn't either, but if you're if you're looking at it that way, and if if they think he can actually play second base still, um, then I I think that's something. But you know, this is someone the Mariners have loved for a long time, and they finally got both the you know second baseman they were trying to sign uh, prior to the 2021 season. So yeah, the uh, 2021 deja vu is kicking in real yeah. hard for me. <laughs> Yeah, it's who is that person the Mariners signed? Um, the year after Kyle Seeger was injured, they gave out a major league contract to a third baseman and he never played with the team. And there was hand rigging over that. Who was that? Are you talking this about is... Patrick Wisdom? Patrick Wisdom, yes, they, this they is a Patrick played... Wisdom situation. Yeah, no, Patrick There's, Wisdom. I, I saw a lot, I saw all the Patrick Wisdom I needed to see. <laughs> well, and Patrick Wisdom is a weird one because he has ended up being kind of good, but also. Not in a like. He was kind of good. He was kind of good against the Reds and Pirates pitching staff in 2020. <laughs> yeah, he, 2021. He, he really. Uh, what's his face? Mark Reynolds is that the name of the guy who was like the the first baseman, third baseman who like has the still I think has the record single season record for strikeouts and also hit a ton of dingers like. That is essentially what Patrick Wisdom did, which is totally fine. You can still be a, a solid player in that regard. Um, but it, it would have sort of I, – I feel almost certain people would have – some people would have loathed Patrick Wisdom, and uh, and we would have had to defend that, well, Me, I mean, I'm he's actually kind of decent. You are some people. Because I, I watched spring training, and he was so frustrating to watch. And he's also was, kind of the uh, antithesis yeah. of what – feel like you Poto like. has been well it's what i like but it is it's actually making me like it less because it's what the mariners like so much these days like 
just all the people who limit strikeouts. Our who know we don't know her. Who cares? I'm making that comp though because he, like Tommy Lastella, was a guy who was signed to a major league deal, and there was a lot of confusion over like why did they do this? And then the team clearly never had any intention of really letting him play on the major league team if everyone oh, was healthy. I, don't, I, don't I think, think this so. is kind think, of similar. I think he was just. I mean, he was so bad in spring training. I remember recapping those games and just being like surprised when he got a hit like i think i might maybe had a patrick patrick wisdom got a hit counter going in the slack or something like that like uh zero days since patrick wisdom got a hit was it pretty much every day uh no it i i don't think that they're similar tommy lostella is and has been a much better and more productive major leaguer than patrick wisdom and has a higher floor is that how we say that he's he yeah he can at least like get on base and things which patrick wisdom you know was always just hoping to run into a fat and juicy pitch over the heart of the plate which once pitchers figured that out they didn't put him there anymore so um i don't know i i do feel like it's it's one of a lot of what we saw this off season, which was safety, low ceiling, exciting outside of the Teoscar Hernandez acquisition, just largely unexciting. I'm sorry. I can't get excited about AJ Pollock like three or four years ago. Sure. Uh, Colton Wong two years ago, probably depends on what else they had going on. But uh, it's it's been, and I I know that this is a a horse that we just Peta should come after us for it, but it's just it's been an underwhelming off season. It's been an underwhelming off season, and John the Eternal Optimist believes that there is another trade out there that's going to turn this whole thing around. But I think you know we're coming into February, pitchers and catchers in like a couple weeks. It's time that we that we kind of look at this off and i feel like this is again something that we say every week but it's it's off season is in its sunset it's in its twilight years the off season is yeah i i think part of this and um i listened a little bit to jerry depoto on the what's it called the he he was on um 710 um briefly with uh, Yes, um, with and, Goldsmith this week with, with with Aaron Goldsmith, who is who is back mm-hmm. and back for the long haul, um, and we uh, what 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 Depoto mentioned, or I think what they discussed a little bit was something that I think has been touched on, but that the World Baseball Classic may have a sort of stifling impact on moves to some degree in part because players you know free agency or excuse me uh, spring training is getting underway functionally earlier than it has previously and so you know teams are not going to necessarily have their players around as much. And there's, you know, maybe some nervousness about, well, this player is about to suddenly play high level baseball for a little bit, you know, I'm, I don't want to trade for them, you know, to be frank, but it is possible that the Mariners, 
themselves have a little bit of set a little bit of a fear precedent uh, with Drew Smiley, uh, who they traded for and sub subsequently, you know, never pitched for them because he got hurt in the World Baseball Classic. Although he is really, I think, the only major player to have ever been hurt during the World Baseball Classic. Um, at least in a in also, a I push back player. against the idea that he was hurt in the World Baseball Classic. Hurt in the indicates to me you had an injury on the field that That's would not true. have happened otherwise. Drew Smiley just ran out of miles on his arm, on his soggy, soggy arm. That's true. I, I it would have yeah. happened if he'd been <laughs> pitching in spring training, or it would have happened true. at the beginning of the season and probably been more catastrophic. But it to me that is not a oh overuse or ramping up causes it. No, right. that that no, that's this a good one's gonna blow. It's gonna blow. That's a good. I point. And he was, I think, I, <laughs> I I want to say it was uh, Jeff Zimmerman who Jeff Zimmerman I believe keeps a log of Tommy John um, injuries, and I, I believe it was his research that where essentially they were looking at. <laughs> likeliest pitchers to need Tommy John, um, you know, in the future based on sort of whatever, you know, other injury history and innings logged and, you know, velocity and other factors. All of it's just to say Drew Smiley was like the club, you know, the league leader, but with a bullet in that regard right before that happened. So um, that was my favorite fallout boy song. <laughs> Drew Smiley's number Tommy one John with, with a bullet. bullut. <laughs> <laughs> load the right arm cock it and pull it and it breaks that, yeah oh my goodness uh there's uh yeah it just uh in any case so the i don't know i do still think that the mariners have another move and, and depoto hinted at least a little bit that they are in communic they're they're talking about trades which you know they're always talking about trades but i just don't it's just so hard for me to look at this roster and to know, I I believe that there are significant financial constraints. Yes, but I I wouldn't look at this roster and think, yes, this roster is a clearly improved roster upon last season's, you know, where it finished last season. And I just I wouldn't assume that the team would either. So unless they are really a lot more content than I am. It's just hard for me to accept, but we shall see. I don't uh, think they do make that move because if you look at last season, the dialogue that they came into spring training with was, we're looking for a frontline pitcher. We want to trade for an ace, blah, blah, blah. And the deal wasn't there to be had, but they did make the deal at the deadline when the deal was there to be had. I would say that this is along a similar lines where they kicked the tires on Brian Reynolds and whoever else uh, didn't like what they saw if somebody gets injured in spring training and the paradigm changes, they'll look at that. But I think we're to the point now where we should expect maybe a deadline trade to fill that bat spot more than whatever's going on now. That affords them time, too, to let the, the pitching prospects, who are probably the crux of this deal, uh, pitch in the high minors. And Bryce Miller and, and Emerson Hancock look like they're poised to do pretty well in AA. So there could be advantages to waiting then anyway. So... Um, my vote, I, I also listened to that interview and I, that particular part of it where he's, you're right, they are in communication, but he was pretty clearly caveating that expression with like, it's, this is about the league. The league is still chatting with each other. Um, but obviously like, like we said, there's three weeks till pitchers and catchers report. So, um, the, I would say it's, it's pretty clear. The Brian Reynolds trade is not happening 
a trade of that caliber is not happening. There might be pieces around the fringe that I think could still move, but this is the team right, that's rolling two, into camp. There's one more mention of the BR word on this podcast. <laughs> and that's it. Two, use it wisely, people. We put it to bed, so that's good. We should uh we should do listener questions quickly because it is getting late and then do our little uh best off season and wrap it up. Um I think that sounds fantastic. Um let's go right on over. Well, now I have lost my listener questions. Um please hold. Let's start with AJ Allen's question, which was, which which part of the Mariners offseason do you like and dislike the most uh, in terms of specific moves? I really like the Luis Castillo extension quite a bit. Um, Well, does that count? That's not an offseason. I mean, does not count. Does not count. Does not count. Does not count. It was during the season. I understand. I, I understand on the on the one hand, like it doesn't really matter where whether it was during the winter or not but you know i i guess i i will say i'll give you i would say give it partial credit uh because they entered the offseason knowing that that was money that they had spent and so there's really there's really only two moves this offseason that could be options for either of these so it's the teoscar hernandez trade and then it's the colton wong trade you're picking one of those in, in each spot right because nothing else is of that much importance like if you hate tommy listella i guess he could be your least favorite but it's of such little consequence uh what do you guys think kate where are you at i mean it's it's almost it's sort of hard because it's almost moves that were not made um over over anything else, which is really what a lot of this has been so challenging. A way to steal my talking point. Yeah, I mean, it's just opportunity cost. I will say the thing that has stung me the most, like a possibly realistic standpoint, is letting Mitch Haniger go. That's that's the thing that has bothered me. Maybe you feel like you're at the end of your productive working relationship, but especially because I was there and I saw like the influence that he has, you know that once Winker, once they got rid of Winker, and I mean, maybe that was, you know, they didn't know that they were going to be able to offload Winker, and so they didn't make a strong enough pitch to hand. I don't know, and I don't care. That's the part where I just feel like Mitch Haniger, I would be feeling a lot better about this team which with Mitch Haniger on it rather than AJ Pollock slash Tommy LaStella slash Cade Marlowe question mark. It's just that that's the part I've hated the most. Uh, obviously, I love bringing in Teoscar. I think that was necessary. Um, I've hated watching other teams in the division get markedly better, though, while the Mariners have kind of stood still. Yeah, I, I, here's what I'll say I really like the Teoscar move on both, um, principles or sort of on principle and on uh you know in in terms of the process i think it's pretty much always my my preference to if you can trade relievers for position players and the mariners traded essentially two relievers for a position player you know i i like adam mako uh, quite a bit, but at this point, I think it's really hard to envision him if he makes the big leagues as anything other than a reliever, just because of his health and durability and wildness. Uh, Eric Swanson, 
very good reliever. Reliever. And the Mariners have more than really anything else, not exclusively this, they've shown the ability to develop relief pitchers um, into, into very quality players, especially out of maybe more understated signings. You know, that's Casey Sadler. That's, uh, I mean, that's Paul Seawald, certainly. That's, uh, you know, Matt Festa and Matt Brash, who are, uh, you know, huge, huge, huge boons and huge reasons why the Mariners could actually make this deal of trading away, you know, one of their lowest ERA players uh, and, and one of their best relievers. Um, so I, I think it's, uh, that was a good move. It just has been frustrating to see them say we're okay. And I, I think this flows a little bit into uh, another question we got, which is from Jace Bain. Uh, Jerry and the FO have spoken a lot this winter about the long-term outlook of the club, i.e. the crest in 2026. Do you think the Mariners are in good shape to compete for multiple World Series over the next five years? If not, what needs to be done to get them there? Sure, right? Yeah. Five years is a very long time in professional sports. Like, it's in, it's very long. I think when we're talking about competitive windows, we're really looking at, like, two years, generously three, and baseball obviously is, is different than football because, you know, we've seen, like, the Astros basically be good for what feels like a decade, but... Um, I think in the in terms of if you especially if you look at two years ago uh, where the Mariners kind of broke out and were better than their record, if you look at that as the beginning of this nexus. So that was year one. Last year was year two where they actually made the playoffs. Uh, if you're looking at a five year window, that's the next three seasons. I think that's kind of fair um, if you're including what we've already done in that calculation. And yeah, absolutely. We talked about how the Mariners have the most money committed going in the future, like the most guaranteed contracts going forward. And those are two. But we've also talked about how that doesn't good. mean anything. This is true. This doesn't mean anything, but it is, it's good in the context of we have Luis Castillo under contract. We have Julio under contract. Um, you know, we have cost control on Logan Gilbert and George Kirby. All of that's great relative to other teams. Are we in a better position? Probably, but all the dice have to be rolled and everything has to fall into place when the seasons actually come. And as we're talking about, even now, nothing is finalized until everybody takes the field. So um, best laid plans and all that. Sure. The Mariners are in a good place. I'll say, I think they have to solve middle infield in order to really be able to run with the Astros. Um, and that is, somewhat by them trading off their future middle infield to acquire the services of Luis Castillo, who I think is great. Um, I also think like you can get around Luis Castillo if you wait for it. Sign Shohei. Yeah, it is. Yeah, I mean, that's the challenge is I, I think they are. You got to sign someone good and it probably needs to be Shohei. How can you be tired of the Brian Reynolds trade discussion, uh, this but is a not whole of the new, Will the Mariners acquire Shohei discussion? No, I mean, I think because I'm annoyed because the Yankees slash Mets writers have already decided like that Shohei Otani is like their purview to talk about, which I think if there's any front runner, it's pretty clearly the Dodgers. At least 
I th- we're pretty sure that's where he wanted to go the first time and he just didn't know the difference we right uh, like we... i'm i'm legitimately pretty sure he, he didn't know that when you sign in los angeles you sign with the dodgers and that's a separate you think, you think he got swindled by our bunch of stuff up in it was all la stuff it was all laa logos but it was in like dodger blue Maybe, I mean, maybe yeah, that is that is like literally the entire Angels aesthetic. But no, I, I mean, I think I think playing with Mike Trout on the, absolutely that team, no. there was enough to make you think like this could make sense. And frankly, should like, have it, it should better have. than what the Mariners could offer at the t- at that particular time. But yeah, it it, it just hasn't worked because yeah. the Angels did every other thing disastrously. I anyway, think anyway. Uh, I I really do think the like uh, hey you did play with the best player in baseball would you like to play with the most exciting player in baseball is a strong would you like to play on a pitching staff that will let you maybe take it a little easy and uh you can just and kinda... maybe by next year julio will be the best player in baseball who knows there's who no knows? pressure there's no pressure to be both the staff ace and the best hitter on the team kind of got both those things covered you can just be the best two-way player the Mariners have savvily left the DH position wide open. Wide open. For, uh, you know what? So honestly, <laughs> for him to... I do feel. I do feel like even. And I mean, okay, all right. I'm. I'm just gonna admit. I'm gonna. This is what I've been doing. This is what I've been doing alone in my room in the dark in the corner over the off season <laughs> with my tinfoil hat like Definitely. firmly jammed on my head. I was like, oh, the Mariners kept Justin Novak as their bullpen catcher on the Major League staff. Justin Novak, Google, 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 went to the University of Virginia where he played all of like 12 innings as catcher. Why is he the bullpen catcher? That doesn't make sense. He's not a good catcher. He's not a catcher. He's a career infielder. Where do we know Justin Novak from? Oh, he was the Coochie's translator. So they've kept a person who speaks Japanese on the staff despite not having any current Japanese speaking players feels a little like we're maybe setting something up I don't know that's my just edit this out edit this out Evan I don't want anyone this to is this legitimately yet. a Mariners conspiracy theory that people think we're going to sign Shohei Otani this is how deep this <laughs> goes we're on this podcast and it's no. just spiraling in on us no, I'm gonna no, miss no, no, no. because I can't I can't I can't no. deal with this I can't no, do it Oh, look, they make so much money off Japanese tourism. I don't think it's I don't think they have made a point of having a Japanese player on the roster for X number of years. There's a built in fan base because of Ichiro. Like it's it's a whole thing and it would make the franchise a lot of money. And I feel like there's one thing Mariners don't seem that interested in making money by winning the World Series and getting their fans to buy expensive ticket packages because otherwise they would have signed a lot of good players. Uh, They would spend money in free agency. They would look at their history of second baseman and see that the only one who has produced like anything meaningful is the guy they gave a boatload of money to eight years ago or whatever. Um, I feel like money very much talks in that front office and. Otani would bring in so much money. Um, it would be so cool. It would be so awesome. It would be, it so, would be so cool. cool. Um, and you know, I mean, listen. What if? What have the Mariners done if not signaled that they have still been keeping their eye on sort of their old, 
they're, they're old loves, their first loves, but then by signing Tommy LaStella and Colton Wong this winter. Uh, that, you know, and Mike they, Ford. They can, and Mike Ford. And, and Mike Ford. Well, minor league signings, you know. Hey, it's hey, sort of like, they still brought him back. Three they times. They brought him home. On <laughs> Three times a big boy. <laughs> um, God, like... It was last year, right? That Mike Ford was like singling against was it the Padres or the Mets? I can't remember. It was like he got a decent number of plate appearances last year. It was it was genuinely like Mike Ford is like in the top five number of plate. I it may have been the year before. It's not out of the question. It was the year before. It doesn't feel that far off in my brain. I feel like I was looking at it and last I think last year. You mean twenty twenty? I'm gonna call it two thousand and twenty two when he played for the Giants, Mariners, Braves, and Angels. Um, he just spent a lot of time bouncing around. But I think his most productive time as a Yankee was twenty nineteen. Well, he was not a Yankee, and and yes, yeah, certainly, certainly, he was good as a Yankee in 2019. I'm just saying, as a Mariner, I have blocked all of that out completely. Um, I'm, I'm proud of you. Um, I want to move to a question from Ryan Turner here, which is a aspirational one, a good and, question, and a, a good, good question, and as about as far as we can get from Mike Ford, unless Mike Ford is your answer. Ryan asks, most of the fan base and definitely the LL staff are pretty sour about the M's offseason guilty. I'm sour, realistic. I'm sour. Uh, I get it. (laughs) But there is a ton of upside on this team. Absolutely. So let's find a shining star and be positive. All right, Ryan. I love to be directed. Uh, Who is your breakout candidate to make the All-Star game? I'll go first with JP. And then work and drive one. Uh, so I will put it to you, Evan and Kate. Who is your breakout candidate to make the All Star game? I am assuming Robbie Tenerovich. All right. <laughs> Settle down. <laughs> I'm going to go over there and whack you with a, with a fly <laughs> swatter. Uh, <laughs> um, I am I am assuming in this that uh, we cannot name Julio or Ty France because, no, I because think they were all stars last year. It can't be somebody, yeah. Even and, and no, Ryan, uh, Ryan shaking yeah. his shame finger at us. I feel like JP is kind of not a breakout candidate because he well, should have been an all star in 2020 had they had an all star game. I think it was 20. Was it, uh, also 2021 just to cover my yes. bases. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, I remember spearheading a JP should be the All Star campaign, and I think it was when Rayo was still an Astro. So I think 2020, but well, he was 2021. Yeah. Okay. I think it was 2021. So anyway, I think hoping he finds better consistency is is a fair pick. I think yeah. I think of, breakout yeah. has to be somebody who is not. <laughs> Like I don't think Suarez should count for this either. No, I don't think no. Cast I mean, no. Count. no Suarez, no Luis Castillo. That doesn't count. I would, I would say those two for sure. I mean, what I think is, I, I, what I, why I would absolutely. I and mean, we all, we all have the this. same answer, right? We all let, let's. We should, we should put this one off the table because we all have the same answer, which is on, <laughs> on three. Who is going to be the Mariners All Star? One, two, three. Cal Raleigh. 
Oh, George Kirby. We all agreed this. George Kirby. Remember, we all agreed this. Um, it's, this is not a knock on George Kirby. This is a. Oh. This is a. This is a big old. Right. I'm just gonna. Yip, I'm gonna take my earrings off Raleigh. and drive to. <laughs> I can't believe Nando I can't believe I'm the one hyping up Cal Raleigh here. Kate. I mean, you know I What's you know on? I love my large son. You know I love him. I do. But, I know you and do. I would have picked him, but I thought we would all say Kirby because he to me is the most obvious example. He's gonna be an all-star. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is the deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. I think George Kirby very well may be an all-star. I also okay, think Weasel that... Is. <laughs> fair point fair point no uh i think there is a reasonable chance that they especially how they've talked about it that george kirby just gets at least a little bit more kid gloved than mm, okay uh, fair. other other pitchers i think he's going to be really good but i mean even again in this recent conversation they were like we want to make sure especially with gilbert and kirby who you know have threw a lot last year but still haven't necessarily built up tons and tons and tons of innings year after year compared to castillo and gilbert and gonzalez and uh flexen that you know that they're going to lean on flexen and marco and robbie ray um, and castillo to sort of gobble up innings and and maybe give Kirby and Gilbert some a little bit of an opportunity to miss a start here or there. Now, that may be cutting it too thin on my perspective, but I just think it it, it almost, fe- to me, doesn't feel like a breakout necessarily, where it's just like, if Cal Wally is the player he was last year, but starts the year as that player, he's he's going to be the catcher for you know he's going to start the all-star game at oh, catcher. So, oh, yeah. like that no, I'm, I'm down with that maybe not start no i'm sorry he probably won't start because adley rutschman exists and i love cal raleigh uh, no, but, him. yeah you're right but you know i think that's that's just i a, think like, i think he's he's probably a i mean it depends like the strike the strikeouts still give me pause because coming up on year three and the strikeouts did not go down significantly and they didn't go down significant. And I know that growth isn't linear. So like, of course, you're not going to see like a perfect drop off from April to September or whatever. I think you did on average see better plate appearances, but the strikeout rate just did not. And probably because it was so high to start with, but it didn't drop significantly month to month enough for me where I'm like, oh, that problem solved. No need to worry about that. I think he's there's still a chance that he's a three true outcomes guy. And um, I think those guys just have a longer on-ramp to consistent success in the majors. Yeah, I think that's fair. I I will say the the three true outcomes component for Cal doesn't sweat me too much just because I I think he he has such a track record of hitting 
And... Yeah, and I mean, with te- with Cal, I feel like it's not just homers, like, it's doubles. It's, you know, even he, he's singles got, once mean, in a while. Like, there's a hit tool there. It's not just over-the-fence power. I think he is, I mean, this is dramatic oversimplification, but I think he really has a lot of the, like, he is going to strike out a lot more than... Um, Rutschman, then, then Rutschman certainly, and and then you know we might prefer, but almost any time he makes contact, especially late in the year, it felt like it was quality contact, and it really it really seemed like he had figured out basically like I am going to look for this pitch. Oh yeah, and when you I know, get this you know pitch, how he figured that I'm out. I'm going to crush You know it. how he figured that out. Because Mitch Chaniger told him to. Mitch Chaniger, who's gone now? Again, revisiting something I'm at. You know who I think is going to be an all-star? I think Mitch Chaniger is going to be an all-star. Ooh. Oh, yeah. Uh, not a breakout. Not a breakout. A not a breakout. Player. But just pointing out that the Mariners could have had yet another all-star on their roster had they retained Mitch Chaniger. Uh, I will give I will give the JP thing just a, a bit more credence only because I think JP has had sort of a steady sort of incremental improvement in his performance. Um, you know, obviously last year his numbers were like his straight counting numbers were worse than the previous year, but relative to league average, they were exactly in line essentially. Right. You know, it just, he hit 243 this past year with a, you know, what was it with a 675 OPS that versus last, you know, 2021, where he hit 273 with a 715 OPS. On the one hand, like that's worse, but on the other hand, that is exactly the same functionally relative to how much offense went down league wide. So, just pull up. Um, pull if pull there's up a defense. way for JP, yeah, if there's a way for JP essentially to one, yes, yeah, steady sort of his defense back out, and two, sustain his power just a little bit more. We're, we're looking at you're looking suddenly at a four or five win player, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. You know, if if it goes from six to ten homers to ten to fifteen homers, that's a huge difference, and it's not that much. Uh, you know, he already struck out so rarely last year. He walked so often. I mean, he has great pitch selection. He is such a savvy player. Um, you know, and it is it is just now, I think, a little bit about, okay, what more can he get out of his physicality without sacrificing that? So I, I, I could see JP uh, making this jump. Um, Let's do the last question in the interest of time. Oh, and Munoz. Um, Munoz will be an all-star. Munoz was my other pick. Yeah, if, if I had to do it, I don't usually pick bullpen arms just because I'm attracted more to starting players. But if we're going to do a bullpen arm, for sure, Munoz. I think Munoz, um, beyond being an all-star, will be one of the top five closers in baseball. Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, I love Paul Sewell. Um, I love him to death. But I think Munoz takes that closer job this year. Yeah. Uh, Dane Thompson is asking about all-star game tickets. I have signed up for the Mariners email registration for all-star game tickets. My understanding is they're only currently guaranteed for season ticket holders. So if you're not a season ticket holder, essentially right now you're in limbo. My understanding is 
they're going when they go on sale, which there will be an announcement beforehand. They'll email you if you're on the list or whatever. Um, it'll be in stages. So they're going to offer them to people who have partial season tickets or, you know, like the, the flex packs first, and then they'll do a public offering of some kind. Uh, the short answer is they're not available yet. And we don't know. So we will, we'll, I assume we'll do something on the site about that when it comes time for how people can get involved with the all-star game. That'll be a big deal this summer. The shorter um, answer is the oceans might be on fire by the summer and there will be no all-star game. <laughs> but maybe don't worry about I it. I hope not. Um, but let's again let's wrap because I want to be done by ten. But let's do the uh, let's do our our best or worst off season, whatever you guys had picked for that. Absolutely. Does anyone want to start, or I am happy to yes. to take worst the lead off season here. is this. Take one. the lead. The worst John. off season is this one. <laughs> it is. I don't know if it's just like having been around things for long enough that I'm exhausted by the discourse. I was feeling this the last couple of off seasons. I am a practical person. Even though I'm a dreamer, like, but I like to feel in realities, and so much of the off season is speculating. And this particular line of speculation has been annoying because they weren't ever going to move in the deeper pool of the, you know, the high level reagents and. They've traded enough of their capital that it's not fun to think up trade scenarios. I'm so sick of Brian Reynolds. Uh, now comes the <laughs> Shohei, the Shohei conversation. Um, but it's also just been such a bummer as far as like where fan excitement was to finish the season and where it is kind of now. Um, I think it's it's been a disappointing off season. It's been a it's been a bummer off season. There's been no fan fest. It seems like FanFest might not ever come back, um, which is always a time for me personally, even as somebody who like writes about the team all the time. I get excited by FanFest, like just being there. It is such an infusion of joy and coming attractions and getting to see everyone and like getting to see the kids, especially and flashing back to my own childhood and you know what it was like when baseball season rolled around it it is really invigorating and it's really a net loss that the mariners aren't doing it anymore and i think it's really disappointing so this off season is my least favorite i understood canceling it in 2020 even 2021 2019 i forget what they had going on i don't know it's just been excuse after excuse they were like resodding, re-sodding. yeah this year we didn't even get an excuse it was just like oh it's not happening so it, it, it's been a, yeah, this has been my least favorite. Uh, and that's due to a variety of factors. Last year with the lockout, hmm, close second, though. Uh, yeah, I mean, they did sign Robbie Ray. So, like, we had a really big splash signing. But uh, that was pretty hard to grind through. And I feel like maybe I'm carrying over some of those feelings. And then the most exciting is the one, you know, where they did stuff where, and I mean, I'm glad we're past this era of the Mariners, but there was a time in like 20 when DePoto first took over leadership. I woke up every morning at 6 a.m. to check my phone and I'd go back to sleep and I'd wake up again at 7 and check my phone and I'd go back to sleep and I'd wake up again at 8 to check my phone. Like I had my phone with me at all times. I tried to be ready at all times. Like Something might come through. You probably might have to write about it. Uh, and then the the Hanager Insegura trade broke. Like I was 
famously elbow deep in making pumpkin pies for Thanksgiving. And, you know, I just remember like running around to get things done. Again, I don't like that instability and I don't like waking up every hour on the hour to check for <laughs> like that. I think psychically damaged me. Um, but it was, it was exciting and it was exciting to watch the team get yeah. remade. So those are my answers. Evan, where are I you at? I think the 2020 off season where baseball got canceled when we were in spring training because of COVID and that whole weirdness, I did not like because we're there was a fear we legitimately weren't going to have <laughs> baseball Evan, for a year. Boy, I don't know. Um, <laughs> opposition to, to COVID. <laughs> yeah, that was bad. Uh, I have a good pick, though, at least in my opinion, for the for the best offseason, um, because when you look at the offseason, hindsight is 2020, right? Like, it's so easy for us to look back now on how the seasons went and be cynical about it because of what did, worked and what didn't work. But I think if you look at just what the team did with what they had in an offseason before anyone went and played, you can assess that on its own in hindsight without the context Man. of like the way things went. <laughs> I the think the caveats that you are laying out make me very <laughs> excited for what you're about to say, which I'm pretty confident in. Oh man. Okay. The 2010 yeah, offseason yeah, for yeah. me was a super <laughs> banger. And here, okay, so there's some names on here. So that was the Sean Figgins contract, four years, 36 million. Obviously, uh <laughs> again, hindsight 2020, <laughs> but uh it was it was exciting. And they're gonna pair him with Ichiro and have two, three hundred hitters at the top of that lineup, two hundred hits, like stealing bases. It was it was something. Uh Jack Wilson got two years again. Somebody <laughs> who fell off the face of the earth as soon as he signed that contract. Um, <laughs> Did he get two years to play baseball or in prison? <laughs> yep. No one can say. Oh my god. We had Ken Griffey Jr. uh after the dead cat bounce, the dead cat bounce is the year prior. This was him just being completely cooked, 100% overcooked. Uh, Eric Bedard got a one-year contract, which was his final run with the team. And I love Eric Bedard. I will always love Eric Bedard. So I, that was great. Ryan Langerhands, staff, lookout landing, and fan legend Ryan Langerhands got signed that year. And of course, the legend himself, Eric Burns was a part of that offseason. They also gave extensions to Felix Hernandez, which, you know, again, hindsight, but he was the staff ace. He was the team's biggest player that worked out pretty well. Franco Gutierrez got a four-year contract coming off of a six-win center field year. Yeah. Um, and then, obviously, like, the rest of the names are pretty small. Yusmero Petit, Koa, Teixeira. But the big one, and the reason I picked this year to begin with, was because this was the Cliff Lee offseason. And yeah, yeah, yeah. say what you will about Jax or Enzig, but, like, when you fleece somebody like that, yeah. you, you're going to go down in history. And that trade is one of the greatest baseball trades of all time. Trade, just for, really, someone. trade for really good big leaguers. It yeah. usually works out for you, even if you give up a bunch of prospects. If they're really good big leaguers, it, it tends to work out. Yeah. Oh, man. Beautiful. Just beautiful stuff. Did it work out? No. Uh, not not as well as we could have hoped, but uh, no. it was interesting. But also, not predominantly. I mean, yes, Sean Figgins being awful, obviously, obviously was a major part of that. But it was <laughs> not. But like, yeah, but like. Eric Bird's riding off on his bicycle. Yes, listen, we'll never forget it. But the, you know, like the primary issues with that team were not. Cliff Lee or, uh, you know, like Franklin Gutierrez or, 
I mean, I you know, certainly Sean Figgins, but like even Sean Figgins that year, like he wasn't good, but he was just like mediocre. It wasn't like he was horrific. There was there were a lot of very distinct other issues, like everything to do with the entire rest of the lineup internally, right? I mean, just, <laughs> Milton just Bradley, Wilson. yeah, right. I don't like Casey Koshman, <sighs> Bill Hall, Tommy Everidge. Ooh. This. Ooh. I All mean, right, we we're like three-fifths of the way to invoking yeah. some very dark spirits. So moving <laughs> yeah. it along, fellas. All right, all right. Um, yeah, no, I, I just the, – the fact that they only had two above-average hitters, essentially, which was Ichiro and a combination of Russell Brandon and Mike Sweeney, like, yeah, that'll get you. But, uh, no, that I, I, I do agree. And that is part of the challenge, right, is like – I think the Mariners have almost made their fans gun shy of trying in the winter because every time that they have tried to make the team demonstrably better, it has, that's not an issue. Not every time, but the past two, two of the past three times, I think that they have really dramatically invested to make the team better. It has catastrophically fallen on its face. I guess half of the times, if you consider Robbie Ray a big investment, which is true. But, like, that 2010 team and my favorite offseason that I'm going to talk about, which is the 2004 into 2005 offseason, both were absolutely horrific follow-up years. And it is... I I know that many teams have some of these issues, but I think it really is endemic in Mariners fandom that the idea of raising expectations is so scary because, uh, you know, because it might go badly. And I think it's something that we're still trying to combat and that, you know, Kate, you and I certainly for the many years now that we've been writing here and writing about baseball have been trying to combat to some degree of like, yeah, sometimes it's okay to have expectations and and to try and do better things because I think in part of the, the Oh four to Oh five group and, and more, even more dramatically uh, 2010, Um, you know, because 2014 they signed Robinson Cano and, they were very solid as a team. They nearly made the playoffs. They should have done more, but they didn't. And that's a shame. But, you know, that wasn't the catastrophe. Um, Evan, did you did you say your least favorite before? I, I sort of cut you off a bit. No, just the COVID season. Being worried yeah. that I wasn't going to get to see Kyle Lewis follow up that six homer streak at the end of the year before yeah. broke yeah. my heart dearly. And, yeah. you know, and he won rookie of the year that year. So yeah. I'm glad they got to play. So yeah. there you go. So I will say if I were a smidge older, I probably would say the like between 2000 and 2001 offseason. But I also don't know with confidence that that's true. I think I know that with hindsight. But the fact that, you know, that was the offseason the Mariners lost A-Rod and all they did was sign, you know, the, I, the you know, a total unknown, the first major uh, league player from position player from Japan in 40 years or whatever. Um, and then, you know, brought back Jeff Nelson, uh, you know, not necessarily so encouraging signed Brett Boone. Like, I don't know. 
turned out great. But my my favorite offseason that I actually have cognizance of that I remember being excited about was between 2004 and 2005, right? Mariners, they had the amazing 20, 2001 season. They're unbelievably good in 02 and 03. They win 93 games both years. They are easily one of the, like, five or six best teams in baseball, but they don't make the playoffs. Um, 2004, absolute mess sort of everything finally falls apart with their ancient ancient roster uh and 2005 they decide we are not going to sort of roll over here we're going right back at it uh within two days i think it was like i i remember seeing the newspaper i remember looking at the newspaper and just being blown away of the, you know, not only had the Mariners brought back, I guess it was a little earlier in the, in the, in the sort of stretch, but they, they brought back Dan Wilson, which was not really ever in doubt in on December 7th. And then December 15th, they signed Richie Sexton, this huge slugger, very exciting. December 17th signed Adrian Beltre, reigning NL MVP. Uh, they also bring back Jeff Wilson, eventually or jeff nelson excuse me my favorite mariners reliever ever i wasn't personally excited about pokey reese but it was reasonably you know exciting until he broke his leg and never played for the team um i mean it just was so it felt like oh last year was a fluke and that was the that was the only period in time I think in Mariners history where after the excitement of the nineties and the thrill of, you know, Oh, and Oh one, and then the very good teams that just didn't quite make it of Oh two and Oh three, where it felt like, yeah, winning, you, you sort of had the feeling like, yeah, well, they're going to be good again. And they just, you know, they just did what they're supposed to do to, to be good again. Uh, and it didn't happen. Uh, spoilers. Uh, but much like, 2010 it wasn't really about the players that they brought in right richie section was very good richie said you know adrian beltre was quite good uh it was you know jeff nelson the at age you know 85 approximately age 38 quite good it was that almost every pitcher on their road in their rotation except for a 19 year old named felix hernandez who debuted later in the season was awful <laughs> and uh you know they 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 just couldn't couldn't get anybody out but uh you know that is sort of it doesn't have to be one or the other right you can have an exciting off season and you can have a a an exciting season to follow uh so you know i would not say that this has been my worst off season i would definitely say last season even with Robbie Ray and thank God for Robbie Ray, even though he didn't have a great year, but thank God that it, it, the Mariners signed him before the lockout. Cause it really would have been awful. Um, but I, I, I just, that last season was so unfun. <sighs> like it was so unfun. That was the worst. Ooh. It was the worst. It was, it was worse than any of the others. It was so unfun uh, to cover that. I would say like COVID season, probably uh, COVID season, but we had a, we had a, I wouldn't count COVID season just because we had an off season before that. Like things didn't really start down to go down until we were already at spring training. Obviously, 2020 just straight to the trash. 
directly into the dumpster. Throw it in the East River. But the off-season, I don't remember being... I mean, I was excited about where they were going to go after the kind of miserable 2020, 2019. And, um, you know, young players on the rise and things like that. I think this one is disappointing for me just because... A lot of what I look forward to is prospects, and there are no more prospects. Like, that's it. Twenty, At least coming into 2022, like, well, we'll probably see Julio at some point. And that alone <laughs> really carried me through. The offseason, the lo- owner's lockout was miserable and really kind of soul-crushing to cover. But having Julio like a carrot at the end of the stick there was really got me through a lot. Uh this season there's really nothing. I mean, I love 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 Kid Marlowe, but it's there are no fresh shiny toys waiting to come up from the farm system unless I don't know, maybe Bryce Miller or someone, but yeah. That Isaiah Campbell. Sure. That's true. Yeah. I mean it's it's <laughs> different than having like, oh, we're gonna get to see Cal Raleigh really do what he's going to do. We're going to see Matt Brash and we're going to see George Kirby. And, you know, the, the amount of hype was intense, even in bad, even in a bad situation. So I don't know for me, just because that wave has crested, it's, this feels like more of a bummer to me because it's like, Oh, they didn't make any big ads, but that's okay. Cause we have, we can add out of the farm system, but not so much this year. I am uh, I'm looking forward to, you know, I think we, we just have seen, I think, the last of the, well, not quite the last, Fangraphs has not done theirs, but, uh, you know, MLB Pipeline dropped their their uh, yes. top 100 All right, prospect that up for list. Tomorrow. Bryce Miller's on there. Bryce Miller's uh, Miller you know, and stuck Ford on there the as two. well. Yes, but, uh, you know, it, it's, uh, it's very, you know, it, it is not a super deep system right now. Uh, but I, I'm looking forward to seeing more of that, and, and I do think there is there is genuinely something really there with Bryce Miller and and his repertoire. So um, that's that's something to look forward to certainly. Um, well, thank you everyone for listening. Thank you for subscribing. Thank you for talking to your friends and your families about us. Uh, like we said, sort of at the top, we're 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 a little in flux here. Uh, but we are going to continue making uh, podcasts for you, and and those will be available for you to listen. Uh, and we will will let you know where that's going to be um, by the time. We'll definitely have know, something a month in place from, by the time a month from now. When most people are yeah. tuning back in, to be fair, right. well, uh, yeah. the people and, we're talking and, to know, right now are are real heads, are real ones. <laughs> yeah uh so you know we got a, we got a month left still um so you know at least uh at least four or so podcasts here and uh and by by that time we'll, we'll have a plan laid out for you so you can either make adjustments or make no adjustments uh, to your to your dial so uh thank you kate thank you evan uh and